right. Good morning. <laughs> I just appeared. No. Hey, welcome. Wow. Great time of worship. Thank you, worship team. Yeah, yeah, we can give them another hand. Amazing. <laughs> Thank you, Father. Um, we, uh, we're going to, a couple weeks ago, we, um, we're on the subject of truth, and um, and uh, for those of you who were here, and, and you know what, two weeks goes by, and you know, sometimes you, you eat something, you don't remember what you ate, but you know, it still went in there, and it gave you the nutrients you needed, and, and um, how many are thankful that the Word of God is alive and active, and it doesn't rely on our memory? Praise God. And yet... Uh, yeah, renewing the mind and um, getting that truth into the way we think uh, really is. That's what that living and active word really is doing. And, and it's a spiritual word. We're going we're gonna to go a little further on the subject of truth this morning. And, um, and it's a spiritual word. And, and what happens is the seed goes inside and then there's something called revelation that happens. And so sometimes you... Can as you read the word, as you listen to teaching and preaching, and uh, you know it, it all goes in there, and then you know what happens. You're going along through the day, you're working, and then boom, the Lord speaks something to you. It opens up, and what we often don't realize is that it was actually just a seed that went in there, and that living and active word of God was working inside of us in our hearts, and it grows up. And I, the way I like to picture it is that. The seed of truth goes into the soil of the heart. The Bible talks about the heart. Soil always is the heart in Scripture, right? Different kinds of soil. And Paul talked about good soil is mixed with faith. So faith is like the fertilizer, the nutrients in the soil. It makes the soil ready for the word. And when the seed goes in, you might just go about your day. But boy, that thing is alive in there. And it grows up. I like to imagine that it grows up and then like it gets tall enough to reach your brain. You know, and then that's when you begin, your mind gets renewed. You get a revelation. You begin, that's the manifestation of the mind of Christ begins to happen. We begin to think like God. So we're going to talk a little bit about that and how it applies, what our part is, one of our parts in that. Okay, so I'm excited about this conversation this morning. And, um, and, uh, but I want to give you a couple of updates um, before we get into that. And uh, by the way, we're going to be in Hebrews. We're going to go from Hebrews 12 today. So we want to turn to Hebrews 12. Um, but I wanted to update you on just a few things as well as just give you a, just celebrate a few things that are happening um, in no particular order. You know, I was uh, I was able to visit. Uh, I was able to go to T Group again uh, about a week ago. And man, Garrett, how many years again? Is it like 15 years or something you've been doing T Group? 17th year. We should do, let's just give Garrett a, a hand. We're going to celebrate. Thank you, Garrett. That's faithfulness right there. Week after week, key group. And it's a great group of men getting together. And uh, other men have been coming lately. And, and um, it's, it's a really great time. But uh, Barry was leading last, uh, last week when I was there. And, and, uh, 
and uh, a brother, a brother at the meeting, asked a question, and it was it was so awesome. He says uh, it was just the most honest question. He says, well, "What would it take for a group of guys like us gathering together at a Bible study like this to have the Holy Spirit fall on us, like in the Bible?" And uh, and I. <laughs> And I'm like, that is such a great question. And um, so then a conversation opens up about, well, have you been baptized? And, you know, start the, the, the men, there's a discussion with the men in the group, start asking the guy who asked the question, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit before? And he's I'm like, well, I don't know if I have any. And he had experienced God in a powerful way. And so we're discussing, there's a discussion happening. What does it mean? What's, what is the baptism of the Spirit? And how do you, is it? And so... You know, people are like, all you got to do is ask, and God's going to do it. And, but he just reiterated his question. He goes, well, I really appreciate that, and I, I'm certainly open to that. But really, I just wonder about what it would take for the Holy Spirit to fall on all of us in a group, like, like in the Bible. And, um, and, uh, and I said, at that moment, I thought, and I'd been feeling it, you know, and I said, this, this is a word from the Lord for us. And... Um, and so that led to a little time of prayer and waiting on the Lord. Next thing you know, Barry's getting up and laying hands on people. And, and next thing you know, we're praying for one another. And uh, a guy got baptized in the Holy Spirit, received his prayer language for the first time. The fire of God fell on another guy. He goes, I got to take my jacket off. It's so hot in here. And, um, and uh, so... It was a great time, and, and I've enjoyed all every time I've been to T Group. But but just a fresh move of the spirit there at T Group, and um, it's just cool when you know people that have been. Well, I mean, these are people that you you all have known much longer than me, you know, and that groups from meeting faithfully, and and yet God continues to move forward and expand what He's doing and do more and more on top of what He's done, you know, and. And uh, so that's exciting. T group is thriving. Um, home groups are happening, and and uh, and we're hearing great great reports uh, from the home group, both the leaders and the the attenders. And so, thank you guys for. Well, I don't know, thank you for getting plugged in and for the testimonies we're hearing because people are bringing their hearts and they're really engaging and 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 having community together. And um, we're so encouraged by that. And um, all this really relates a little bit to where we're going today. Um, and then the ladies had a gathering, huh? So Terry and Shelly and my wife Amy um, put together uh, a gathering, fall with friends. So we should get, let's just give them a hand. They had 20 something women together yesterday. And um, yeah, thank you all. And it um, and, uh, looked like a great time. I saw the pictures. And so. I guess, uh, Carol, I heard your group won the pumpkin carving competition. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Huh? Awesome. God made you awesome. Well, good job. Congratulations on that. Uh, but that's a lot of fun. And, um, and then I was away this weekend at uh, ministering at a retreat. Got in last night. Just so you know, some of the, some of the goodness of the Lord that, that he's pouring out here at Mountain Chapel got spread around the Bay Area yesterday. And, um, 
And so we were down in Oakland at the Home of Peace, and there's a ministry school called uh, Infusion School of Supernatural Ministry. So about 40 students were gathered in Beulah Chapel there at the Home of Peace. And uh, we had a one-day retreat. People were just touched by God, and there was some teaching and some ministry and some breakthrough, and they were sharing testimonies with one another. And, and so that was exciting. We got in last night, and... Um, just want you to know, Mountain Chapel is is uh, we're reaching more and more places, um, and then some practical updates for us. Please keep us in your prayers. Thank you for those who have been helping us so much. We've been uh, so blessed, so overwhelmed in a really great way by the love that we've experienced, Amy and the girls and I, through the help, um, all the help that we've received with. Uh, Getting, getting the place ready that we're moving into. And we're, uh, we're planning to move this next Saturday. And so, yay, I know, six days from now. And, uh, and so we should be moved in. And, um, and so, and we also have a, you can pray with us about this. We've got an offer on our place down there in Reading. It's a viable offer. And so we'll be, we'll be working on that today um, after church in the middle of the day. And so, just uh, believing the Lord. For, yep, amen. So, I felt like the Lord said last week, hey, this week, you're buyer. So, I've just been leaning into the Lord about that promise. And so, this may be it. So, just agree with us, if you will, and um, favor and grace on that whole thing. And um, everything is moving along well. So, we're super encouraged by that. And... Uh, Amen. Amen. Yeah, Molly's been really uh, uh, doing well at um, Douglas City Elementary there. And um, she's a coyote, wears her green shirt on Friday. She was telling us on the way up about how they build the coyote village over there. Shannon, you know that? (laughs) It's so cool. Coyote Kingdom. Yeah, thank you. I, I was minimizing it. I apologize. I repent. It's a kingdom, and that is, that's how we think, right? Kingdom. So uh, it is a kingdom. It's amazing what those kids do. They get their sticks, and they build all these little, it's so cool. And, uh, anyway, so thank you, Shannon, for creating the atmosphere there on that school. It's such a great, great place. And, um, yeah. Yeah, really cool. Molly's teacher is a strong believer, which is a huge bonus to us, and just honestly, not only a believer, but a stellar teacher, you know, like, you know how it is, you walk into a classroom, and it's just like dialed, and um, and yet loving, you know, that combo of like excellence and love, and really cool, she's been so great with Molly, Molly's all heart, you know, so she's, the whole transition for her, and um and uh, they've, they've really made it as good as it could possibly be, really, to be honest. And so, thank you. And she's got some good friends in there. and Good times. Now, let's pray. <sighs> well, Father, we thank you for what you're doing, God. We thank you for these times. And we thank you for your heart and your plan for us, God. Thank you that what you have in store for Weaverville and 
Trinity County and and for us here at Mountain Chapel, Lord, it's beyond what we have thought of. Um, it's beyond what we've imagined or what we've planned so far. And so we just thank you for that. We thank you for your leadership. We thank you for your wisdom, God. And this morning, as we get into your word, we thank you for a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. You would open up our understanding, Lord. And, um, and we thank you that, Lord, you have already prepared hearts this morning for what you're saying. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, honey, we hand me that water, please. Um, thank you. Um, so Hebrews 12, and we're going to look at verse 14. And it says this. Pursue peace with everyone and holiness. Without it, no one will see the Lord. <laughs> Powerful word. Pursue peace with everyone and holiness. Without it, no one will see the Lord. Now, depending on your translation, um, the Holman Christian Standard Bible, that's what I just read. Here's the New American Standard, which is another one that I've read for years. Pursue peace with all people or all men and the sanctification and, and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. All right, so what you see there is the, in, this, in the translation process, there are two words, and, and it's pretty much only two words, uh, across a vast number of different translations in the English language, it, one, they choose one or the other. Holiness, sanctification. The, the, the reality is it means the same thing. Um, holiness and sanctification is, can be uh, understood in two ways. One, it is a state of being. In other words, God is holy. He's not becoming holy. He's never going to be more holy than he already is. God is holy. He's holy. Thankfully, he's as happy as he is holy, somebody said. <laughs> Amen. Holy doesn't mean grumpy. It just means pure. And, and, it, and, it, and really, if you want to look at the word pure... The word pure also, what, if I say pure, what do you think of? It's pure. Perfect, clean, pristine. Great. Great. And some other people might focus, when you say purity, on what it's not. Or what it doesn't have in it. Oh, it's pure water. Oh, good. Okay, good. It doesn't have any debris in there. It doesn't have any bacteria. It doesn't have any... Well, yeah, there's a lot of things it doesn't have. But that isn't what pure is. Pure gold means it's gold. Well, it, it's not dirt. It's not, well, right, it's not a horse either. It's not a lot of things. And, and so holiness and purity is not defined by what it's not. It's the, it is defined completely by what it or he or we are. And that we are only that. Isn't that amazing? 
And all through the scripture about God, it's said in different ways, right? In him there is no shadow or turning. It means you're never going to find an inconsistency in the nature of God because he's holy. He's one. He's all one. He's whole. One aspect of holiness or sanctification is whole. So holiness or sanctification can be understood as a state of being. But in the human experience, in this life, it also can be understood as a process that is happening. So before God, my, I am, I've been born of an incorruptible seed. So before God, when he looks at me, when I stand before the Father because of the blood of Christ, right? He looks at me and he says, oh, my work is done. And it's being played out over the course of your life, but it's finished. It's done. It's without question. You're going to spend eternity with me. And, and so as far as God is concerned, when he looks at you and relates to you, he relates to you as one who is holy. And he accepts you into his presence because of the blood of Jesus as though you are Christ himself. Except he doesn't think you're the Lord. And, and, and <laughs> as the... It's, it is, you know, Joseph is a great example of that, right? Joseph was just like Pharaoh, except he wasn't Pharaoh. And that's how we can understand our position. You're just like Jesus, except you're not the king. You're a king under the king. But back to holiness. And so, sanctification or holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And so, before God... We are living in a state of being, really, in the spiritual relationship between the Father and ourselves because of Christ. And in this journey on earth, we are experiencing a process of sanctification. To be sanctified means that you are completely set apart, saved for. Right? So Daniel has been Sanctified to the Lord or holy to the Lord. That's what the priests used to have across their forehead. Holy to the Lord. Holiness to the Lord. Right? It means we're going to take Daniel and we're going to set him aside and no one else can have Daniel because he belongs to God. He's holy. Feels good, huh? It's true, though. And, and, uh, and it's, he's holy. He's set apart. And then... So the enemy or somebody else comes along and goes, can I have some of that? Nope. Oh, we saved that for God. It's like, it's like you came in for the spaghetti feast, you know, at the course to hear the testimonies of all that God's doing with the students. And somebody was thinking about you ahead of time. They made you a plate and they set it apart. And they, no, that's, that would be sanctified or set apart for you. Right? That's, got, that's Amy's plate. Can I eat that? No. That's for Amy. And that's what we are to God. We're, we're set apart. So we're just laying a foundation here. And it says, without this, without this state of being, or without this process, is what I really want to focus on today. Is that this is a journey that we are going somewhere. Right? We call it glory to glory. Right? In Thessalonians it says, this is the will of God. Your sanctification. Isn't that powerful? And last week what we talked about 
was we talked about, or it was two weeks ago, we, 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 we talked about truth. And we talked, remember we said, one of the things we said was that, uh, that truth without love is not the truth. But love without truth is not love. And that when we love somebody, we will tell them the truth. And, and, and our Father in heaven demonstrates that himself because he says, I correct every son that I receive. So, so, you know, when I see a kid doing something wrong and I don't know that kid, now if I, if I think they're in the road and they might get run over, I might just talk to that kid no matter whose kid they are because I don't want them to get run over. But, but you see a kid doing something kind of wrong or whatever, you know, or they're having a bad attitude or behavior, I'm like, oh, that's not my kid though, so I'm not going to correct him. But if it's my kid... I'm going to treat him like my kid. I'm going to correct him. And so God engages us as though he's raising us as his children. Because he has a vision for who we are called to be and who we are called to become. And he is at work in our lives bringing us to that state. Amen. So God works in us in this way. And it says, without this process, we really aren't going to see God. Now, I believe that that is a, uh, an absolute statement that involves eternity because someday we are going to see God. We're going to enter into eternity and we're going to see God, right? But I also believe that in our process, that, that when, when we're without this process, without this understanding that I am a disciple who is being formed more and more and more into the character of Christ. Without that focus, I'm not really going to see clearly my Father. And what I mean by that is, I won't be able to relate to him as well as I otherwise would be. Because what Moses said, and this is even a concept in the Old Testament, what Moses said was, teach me your ways. This is what discipleship is. And this is where we're going with this. This is what discipleship is. Teach me your ways so that I can have a relationship with you. That's what he said, so that I can know you. What Moses was really truly saying, and this is what the Hebrew word means, it's an intimate experience that we have with one another. It is a relationship. And so Moses is like, teach me your ways. Not just because I want to know stuff, because God, I want to have a relationship with you. And what Moses understood was, you will never have a relationship with me on my terms. I have to have a relationship with you. And, and, and the closer that I want to be with you will depend on me understanding how you have relationship. It's powerful, right? And so, you know, what I believe to be true seems true to me. But when I actually believe the truth, I'm free. Some people go, well, whatever you believe to be true, that's true for you. That's the world, you know. But remember, we said two weeks ago, we said truth. The thing about truth is that truth is absolute. And if it's not absolute, then it's not truth. Because the very definition of truth is that it is absolute and it is the only truth. And no, there is not another one. And so that's the difference. When we really draw the line and we understand, you know, Christ is the only way to the Father. But he is the way. 
right? You go, well, that's that's closed in. You're gonna you're gonna tell me there's only one way. You're like, no, it's good news. I'm showing you the way. You get the good news is you get to know the Father. <laughs> Here's the way. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And so God, God has a heart to perfect us, and it is what He's doing in our lives, you and me. And um, and so I realize that God loves and accepts all people in Christ. But he doesn't celebrate all behavior. You know, and there's a and there's a there's a thing in the world today and it's probably not new, but it does seem pretty highlighted in the world today that it's like if you correct me or you dis or you 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 speak truth to me and it cuts against the way I'm living my life or what I'm doing right now, then you're not loving me. You're not accepting me. You hate me. You have fear. You're afraid. You know, when we just say, oh, you have a phobia. You're saying Christ is the only way and Islam is a lie. Well, then you're afraid of Islam. You are, you're Islamophobic. Have you noticed that? And you're like, oh, you mean God hasn't created people to be homosexual? No. Oh, you're afraid of homosexuals? You're homophobic? No, I'm not afraid. I, I love them. I love all people. And the truth is that God has a design. Now, I will say this, because we're not really going there today. I do believe this, that there are conversations that we have in the body of Christ that sometimes we jump ahead and have it with the world. And so people want to draw, this is what the enemy will do, this is, the enemy will try to draw a line and get you into a debate to put you at odds with those that he wants to reach. And and so what I've realized is Sam Ballot tries to get you to come down into the valley and talk about what he wants to talk about. And I'm like, you don't have the ball, Sam Ballot. You're on defense. You're not building anything. You're just trying to stop somebody who's building something. I got the ball. I'm with Christ. I've got the ball. And I'm running with it. Come down here. Well, I would, but the goal's over here. Five bills talk to you, and and so, and 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 what I mean by that is that people you'll see it on TV. They'll get pastors on on in the interview, and they'll say so, and then they just level the bomb at them. You know, it's like, so does God love homosexuals? You know, they they like they find the hot topic question, and what they're doing is they're trying to. Define the field. And so our freedom is, well, I'm not here to debate all these issues with people who don't know God. I'm here to point to the way, the truth, and the life. And so, so does God have a problem with drug use? Well, here's the thing. Do you know Jesus? Does God love homosexuals? Well, here's the thing. Christ is the only way of the Father. God loves you. So, do you want to know Him? Because what you're, you're want to have a, you want to have a conversation with me that God wants to have with you. And I don't mind having a conversation with you, but, but if you're not born again, if you're not in the kingdom, it does no good for me to argue with you about things that you're not trying to think like God anyway. So why am I going to get down into a hole 
and debate over these little side issues that at the end of the day, even if I got that worked out for you and you still go to hell, what did I accomplish? And so I'm more like, here's the thing. You just got to know Jesus. When you get born again, you're not going to want to do that anymore anyway. That's what I know. And, and, so, and so I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to point to you the truth. So I really do give, I, I've, I've taken permission for this. It doesn't mean I'll never have a conversation. And, you know, here's the thing. Questions are asked in two ways. Some, the same question can be asked for an argument. The other question can be asked out of a true desire to know. And you can tell the difference. But sanctification, without which no one will see the Lord. It's one thing to be in the kingdom. And it is another thing to gaze on the king. Well, can I go to heaven and do this? I believe in Jesus. Can I go to heaven and do this? Probably so. Because if your faith is in Christ, there are some things I'm like, "Mm, scripturally, no. No, because scripturally, that activity says you don't actually believe. Because faith has works. Faith has fruits, right? Show me your faith without your works. I'll show you my faith by my works. And, And what I'm getting at today is that where we are headed, this body and in this area, I believe, is that what Jesus said over 2,000 years ago is still true today. That the harvest is ripe and ready. And there are so many people here in all around us that are so ripe and ready to know the Lord. And, and God has a part for you and I to play. So I believe that a lot of what we're doing is preparing nets, preparing boats. Some of the stuff we're building here in the church, you know, coming up, you know, foundations class, things like that, growing our children's ministry, working on the structure of those things, things like that. Those are like prepare the boats, prepare the nets. I think the nets are the people. The people will help with the catch, you know, and um, and and what I'm getting at is that God, I believe, wants to raise up in our hearts a personal responsibility to disciple others. And yes, we can do discipleship classes, and I'm sure we will. And, and we will do that. We will do classes. We will do things like that. But I'll tell you, the discipleship that I experienced in my life, both receiving and giving, is that when you're around one another, we speak truth to one another, We talk about what the Word of God says. Amen? And we speak the truth to one another in love. And so if I've got a brother who is stumbling in an area, and I don't mean I have an opinion about what I think they ought to be doing. You know what I'm saying? I don't like the different way. That's different. But I'm like, actually, the Scripture says, and what I see in the life of Christ is, and what, the, and what the apostles demonstrated, how they discipled others. There's an example for us of speaking the truth to one another in love. And I think sometimes we can have the same question in our mind. And I know probably 
nobody, probably nobody in here. But we can have the same question in our mind that, that, that Cain asked the Lord. Well, am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord's like, I asked you where he was. I asked you where he was, Cain. So, yes, you are. The answer to that, am I my brother's keeper? Yes. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Because what love does, love has a shepherding heart. Love says, I'm going to save you from the cliff. I'm going to save you from the lion if I can. I'm going to go after you when you're out there. And and I'm not just going to be like, that's Dave's job. Like, you know, like, I'm like, if I have a connection to a person or God has put them on my heart, then we all have this shepherding grace upon us that's demonstrated by Christ. And we all who are more mature in the faith and who understand that this word is the truth and still the model that we teach one another. And so that when there are elements in one another's life through relationship, we do what Paul did where we better explain the truth. Paul said, so I better explain the truth to him. And we could say, well, God will show him. But the reality is, in the body, God will show you. But he's also put us in the body because sometimes there are things that I'm actually not going to learn unless somebody else teaches me. Well, God will teach him. Yes, he will. He'll teach him through you. He'll teach him through you because the command of Scripture is that we make disciples. So, so the vision is, is that we are a thriving community family of disciples who are making disciples. Disciples. You know? And, and so, and you know, and so like, and, and, and in other words, we're not going to be satisfied by people that are just open. When I see open, I celebrate that. Oh, they're open to the Lord. But what I'm looking for is a full manifestation, a decision that they make in their heart by the grace of God to become a disciple. And what a disciple is, is one who is a follower of. You know what I'm saying? And so to be a disciple is active. Am I making sense to you this morning? There's a call in this. That, and it's a great call, it is a joyful call that you and I get to fold people in to our family and teach them how to walk with God. You know? And so, you know, and, and have you noticed, like one of the works of the Holy Spirit is that he convicts us, right? But have you noticed that sometimes you don't have conviction about something until... You spend time around somebody else, and then you get a conviction suddenly about that thing that they have a conviction about. Convictions are contagious. And it is God's plan for a high standard within his family. God is never, you know, God's God's vision for you and me is manifest glory. So he's never, he's like, I love you right where you are. I'm just never satisfied with good enough. I'm satisfied with you. 
You know what I'm saying? This is the thing. If I'm satisfied with you, I delight in you. I'm not waiting for you to get better so I can really love you. God will never love you more than he loves you now. But what he knows is the more that we step in as I am walking as a disciple, as I grow in the truth, as my mind is renewed, what he knows is two things happen. One, I become a happier son. Because living by God's ways breeds joy, happiness, fruitfulness, fulfillment. And the other thing that happens is I draw more and more people to him. And so this morning's message is really it's really a call. For us. That not only is the world hungry for truth. But even within the body, once people are netted, once people are in our fellowship, and I'm not talking about, you know, condemning conversations with people. You know what I'm saying? You guys know what I mean? Anybody ever felt, you know, but I but I but I am talking about a truth that we love one another enough to have difficult conversations. And I don't just mean my feelings were hurt. I mean. I notice a standard here that's clear. You follow what I'm saying? I, I, I read it in here. I read it here. I saw it in Christ's life. And then, hey, bro, I'm concerned about you. Like, out of relationship. Somebody that you're close to. You know what I'm saying? Like, how many, how many, of, those, how many of those do you drink? You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, that's cool. I mean, liberty, liberty's cool. But as your brother, I'm getting close to you. And I'm kind of like, just kind of wondering, you doing all right? Looks like you had a few. I know. It's like, seriously, you're getting into my business? Yes. Because we love each other. And we're in relationship. And, and like, if you ever had somebody who loved you enough to call you to a higher standard, you're thankful for them, hopefully. I believe that there is a sanctification and a work of holiness that the Spirit of God is doing in His church in this day that is going to play a huge part in a great harvest. Because it isn't a people of God who look just like other people that are going to win people to Christ. It's people that live with a such a bright light, you know, that you look different, you live different, you speak different, your jokes are different, your habits are different. It looks like something in your life. You know what I'm saying? And and that is attractive because what is different? And it might be offensive, but it's either offensive or it's attractive. It's one thing or the other, but it's light. And... And, and that is what is going to win. And the Lord really spoke that to me. He said, there's a holiness movement coming in my church in this day. And, and it will cause my people to shine like a bright light. And it will draw the world to this light. It is like a moth to a flame. It is the people in the cold world 
looking in through a lighted window with a fireplace inside. It's cold outside. It's raining. It's, it's windy. And I look in through that window and I see a joyful, loving family around a fire with warm food to eat. And something in me says, I want to be in. I wish I was in there. I wish I was in that family. They act kind of weird, but look at them. They act kind of weird, but, but I want to experience what they look like they're experiencing. And, and for that to happen, we really, I really believe God has put a grace in you. Like you've got to be okay with being different. I know I'm preaching to the choir. We're the church. This is who we are. But I still believe that this is a message for us in this hour. That the world is crying out for authenticity. Not the kind of authenticity that looks just like everybody else. But an authenticity that says, this is so real, it causes me to look and live so different. Yeah, let's stand. What I love about that verse is that it paints a picture for me. That word, see the Lord, it means to gaze upon with open eyes. It means you're looking right at him. It means, you're, yep, when you're born again, you come into the kingdom. And you're like, look at this place. It's amazing. There's so much room in here. What? I didn't even see it before. It's like a baby when they're born. And then somebody comes alongside who's been there a while. And they know their way around the kingdom. And they're pretty close with the king. And they go, hey, welcome to the kingdom. Oh, man. Brother, you're here. You're a sister, though, Shelly. You're here. Hey, let me show you the way. Let me show you the way to the throne room. And I learned the path. I learned how to walk. And pretty soon I'm like, oh man, I thought the king, look, look at this part of the kingdom. Oh, it just keeps getting better. And then pretty soon they're in the throne room and they're like, there he is. This is who it's about. And we go, yeah, that's why we're all here. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for your work in our life. We thank you for We thank you for that journey that we're on with you. That this life really is a pilgrimage. That we are on a journey. We're going somewhere from birth to eternity. And we're growing along the way. And I thank you for that, God. Thank you for your truth in our lives. And I pray, God, that along with this revelation, you'll just go ahead. Will you put your hand on your heart again, please? I want to pray for us. I'm praying for myself so you can take it too if you want. God, increase. I pray you would increase our heart for those out there. Hmm. Give us your perspective. That's all I'm asking, Lord. I just want to know what your heart feels like. 
more and more. Give us the grace, the boldness, the wisdom, the love to reach. And you'll do the rest. You'll do the rest. We love you so much. Yeah. Amen.